Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good afternoon to you. Starting just a little bit late, we wanted to accommodate uh, Dr. Sean Baker, our guest here. He lives out in the uh, left coast, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot to do. He's a doctor, and, you know, so this is as early as he could do it. He's an orthopedic surgeon, and we're going to join him. If you care to join us, you can call 888-663-6386, email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. It is 13 September 2022, and we are live. Tomorrow we're going to talk with a 13-year-old carnivore. Yeah, I, I saw a video of this kid. Man, really smart. And he's going to go to UCLA and study nutrition and stuff. And uh, we're going to talk to him tomorrow morning. And then I'm going to be talking about the spiritual aspects of a carnivore diet. I'm about 100 days into it. Started looking into health and nutrition mid-70s. It was about this vegetarian girl. And I've been all downhill from there and tried all kinds of diets. But something's going on with this. And we've been doing a lot of shows because of it. And... Uh, Today is no exception. Dr. Sean Baker is a surgeon. He's an author. He's got a very, um, a, well, best-selling book. It is called The Carnivore Diet. Strange enough, great title. He's co-founder of Rivero. They're getting together some docs and doing a whole special thing that we'll talk about. His website is carnivore.diet.com. He's in the great state of Washington. And we're going to say hello to Dr. Sean Baker. Good morning, sir. How's things out there? Uh, morning. Well, it's nice. It's a nice day. It's uh, you know this is a good time of the year to be up in the Pacific Northwest. It, that'll ask me in about six months, and it'll be very different. But <laughs> yeah. no, it's nice. Yeah, you guys get a lot of rain out there. I love rain. Yeah, that'd be a fun place. A lot of rain. Yeah, I mean it rains pretty regularly. It's not as much as you'd think, but it, you get a good 150 days of rain a year. So mm-hmm. you're definitely getting something for sure. Huh. How long were you an orthopedic surgeon? Uh, well, I was in active practice for. And then, you know, recently, in the last couple of years, I, I switched over to basically a purely lifestyle-based uh, approach to, you know, health and disease management, or, or I should say disease reversal, I think, to be more accurate. And so, uh, so yeah, it's been, uh, I did thousands and thousands of operations on people over the years. But uh, at this point, I am much happier doing what I'm doing now, and I think I'm making a yeah. uh, an even bigger difference. Your, your video stream is a little choppy, and I... Um, I don't think we're going to do anything about that, but um, you, 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 it cut you out when you said how many years you were in orthopedic. Sorry. How many years? It cut out. I did, I did that for about two decades. Oh, two decades. Okay, good. So the dumb question of the day, but I promise they'll get better. How did you find your way into the world of eating lots of meat? Yeah, it was interesting. I, you know, I, I had my own personal health issues that I was, you know, interested in, you know, getting better. You know, I was, I've been a lifelong athlete. I've been, I had the fortune of, you know, been a world champion in a number of different sports. Wow. And despite the fact that I was still training quite hard, I noticed that my health was starting to uh, take a turn for the worse in my kind of early 40s. And so I started to really investigate how nutrition uh, impacted that. And after about, I don't know, seven years of playing with different diets, I came across uh, these really crazy people doing this all-meat diet, mm. which I thought was kind of crazy and bizarre. But it was it piqued my interest enough to where I eventually tried it, and um, this was about six years ago. And I just noticed that my health got just tremendously better. Just about every aspect of my health improved. And, you know, being objective about it, I said, well, this – there must be something going on here. So I continued to delve into this. And then, you know, over time, uh, I was a little bit more public about it. You know, I was on social media. And uh, at that time, I had, you know, a few thousand people that were, you know, following what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, that, uh, you know, got noticed by several people. I ended up going on Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, you did? To get you, wow. Yeah, get you a lot of exposure. This is back in... 2017, where I went on this podcast talking about this crazy doctor eating all meat. <laughs> and, you know, of course, that had a lot of people that were, you know, that I was crazy and nutty and, you know, a lot of the sort of the uh, vegan advocates saying I was an evil person for telling people that eating meat could be good for you. But over, you know, over the last, you know, six years that I've been doing this, I have now had the opportunity to witness 
literally tens of thousands of people transform their lives uh, for the better by including uh, a you know a predominantly meat based diet. And wow. It's been a really uh, really a lot of fun. Now you say you were a champion athlete. What kind of uh, uh, sports were you involved in? Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I played, you know, uh, high level semi professional rugby as a younger person, on to powerlifting, where I set several uh, national records uh, or American records rather in different organizations in the sport of powerlifting. Wow. Uh, I did a little bit of uh, something called the Highland Games, which is a you know, the Scottish sport where you, you throw a kilt on and you throw <laughs> various heavy objects around. I won a world championship <laughs> that. I did a little bit of track and field as a master's athlete, got, you know, I was through all American distances in several events. And then uh, recently I got into, well, I was into the sport of rowing, uh, indoor competitive rowing, where I set uh, a number of world records, American records, and won a world championship in that. And then most recently here, you know, at age 55, I took up jujitsu. And so that is where I am. That's where I'm at right now. Hmm. So you said around uh, 40. Um, revolutions there you began to experience what what did you with your body um, what was it what was it doing what what do you think was happening when you were starting to get you know aches and what, what tell me what was going on well I mean you know the things that I noticed you know certainly I was starting to develop aches and pains mm-hmm. tendonitis early arthritis uh, I was developing sleep apnea, blood pressure was going up. I probably was developing metabolic syndrome, probably pre-diabetic. Wow. I was all, even despite the, the high level of training I do, and I was a big, big guy. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot five. Right now, I'm about 250 pounds. Back then, I was about 300 pounds. And, you know, I was still a very high level competitive athlete. And when you're doing strength sports, strength sports, uh, you, you know, you need to be a pretty big guy, you know, particularly my height. And, and so... All those things were going on, and you know, it turned out that diet had a huge role in that, which is not shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Uh, but uh, you know, the things like particularly the the joint issues. You know, as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, you know, I probably more than anybody understands about joint pain and how to fix it and how to treat it. Yeah. And despite my best efforts of doing all the things that I'm supposed to do to treat things like tendonitis, it, it still persisted, and I was kind of resolved to the fact. Or resigned to the fact that this is just the way it is. This is the way life is going to be. I'm going to get older, and you're going to get well, like I saw every day with all my patients. As you get older, they just get more and more debilitated. So I was just like, well, this is you know, this kind of sucks. But I decided that let's see what nutrition will do for me. And, and part of it was just an attempt to be a better athlete. But what I found, particularly once I went to a carnivore diet, you know, this is back in 2016, all of those joint pain issues the tendonitis that i had just you know within two months went away Hmm. and that really just was it was very eye-opening to me and i was like wait a minute this doesn't make sense because it it generally almost never goes away it just kind of persists and get work gets worse over time so the fact that it went away and never came back you know even six years later it's never come back never come back wow Hmm. and it's it's been really nice it's been kind of like a you know, a, a, a sort of a rebirth, so to speak. You know, you get this new lease on life where, you know, you kind of almost like hitting the reset button and starting over. Yeah, and so yeah. hopefully taking better care of myself. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I had the, the the exercise part down very well. Like I said, I was able to, you know, compete at the highest levels as an athlete, you know, but, but nutrition eventually, you know, catches up with us. I mean, poor nutrition does. And so changing that to what I think is superior nutrition makes just a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. Can you gauge, Dr. Baker, uh, what's going on for you and others with the addition of the meat and fat or and compared to how much you're not doing, you know, what you're not eating? Do we really right. know for sure? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to eat something, right? So there are things that are problematic for us to eat. I know there's people saying there's no bad foods, but I think that's clearly wrong. I think most of what we see on supermarket shelves, this ultra-processed food, is, is in fact quite honestly bad for us. And I think it, you know, it, it causes damage to our gut. Uh, it causes issues with chronic inflammation. It causes uh, issues with uh, you know, uh, gut permeability, metabolic problems. That's all related to what we're putting in our mouth. And I think that, so if you say, well, then what should you eat? You know, avoiding all this processed foods where you're left with, you know, the whole foods. So, you know, you can talk about from the 
animal-based size, so it would be meat, milk, eggs, you know, things like that, seafood, whatever, you know. And then from the plant side, you can say, well, it's, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables would be, you know, maybe some people would put in some grains, whole grains and, and uh, legumes and things like that. Well, um, you know, you can sort of, you know, once you've eliminated all the garbage, you're generally going to do better. Now, the question is, where do you go from there? Yeah, how much some better people, do you want to do, right? Yeah. Well, and some people will do, you know, a, plant, a fully plant-based diet, and some people, they do okay with that. Some people do well. Most people don't. You know, we know that people that attempt to do a fully plant-based vegan diet, the vast majority of those people end up quitting for one reason or another. Mostly it's health-related. And then, you know, what I look at is what foods are the easiest for us to digest, what foods are the easiest for us to absorb the nutrition from. And those ten generally, for most people, tend to be animal products, particularly if you have a normal digestive system. Now, if somebody has a compromised digestive system, then everything's hard to digest. And some people will say, well, I, you know, it's hard for me to digest a steak. That usually comes down to poor uh, digestive function, stomach acid issues, and stuff like that. It's usually built up over time with, with chronic disease. Uh, but I think that, you know, for the vast majority of the people over time, uh, you know, the animal products are just more nutritious. They just have more bioavailable nutrition, and it's what we need. I mean, you, I, it sounds simplistic, and it sounds stupid. You know, we always hear, you know, you are what you eat, but more, more often than not, it's kind of you eat what you are. Uh, we are a collection of animal cells. We, you know, I've done a lot. I've done thousands of operations on human beings, mm -hmm. and human beings are, are basically red meat animals. It's hard to, sad to say. When you cut a human being open, you see a lot of red meat in there, you know. <laughs> and so, when we're building, you know, when we're building animal, you know, flesh and bone and tissue and all the cells that make mm -hmm. us up, you know, the building blocks that we use are, you know, kind of what we're made of. And so, you wouldn't build a brick house out of, you know, leaves. You, you would get bricks, and so when we're trying to build and maintain and and uh, you know nourish our body and our structure, the easiest thing to get those things is what we're already made of, and that's you know it's animal cells or animal tissue. And so it's I know it sounds kind of simplistic, but I think it's simple. And yeah. most most animals that have ever existed on the face of Earth, you know, through all of time, you know, most species have chosen a carnivorous route. Something like eighty percent of all animals that have ever walked, flown, or swam across the Earth have chosen the carnivorous route now there are some specialist herbivores but it requires um you know significant specialization to do that to be able to extract nutrition from uh, all the vegetation that that, that that covers the earth and so you know you think and we have a lot of herbivores but from a number of species standpoint the, the easiest strategy and the most efficient strategy is to obtain meat and um you know, humans do have the capacity to digest plants to some degree, but it's 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 um, you know not as um, robust as it is you know as as we can for meat. You know, we have this very acidic stomach for a reason. We have this very long, small intestine for the reason for a very for a very important reason. Our hindgut, our colon, and what's left of our cecum. Uh, is relatively small compared to you know even other primates like chimpanzees or gorillas who have a much greater capacity to um, ferment. And if you look at say for instance a gorilla's diet, who you know you know the average gorilla is about my size. I mean I'm I'm 250 pounds. The average gorilla is somewhere in there, maybe 300. They're consuming somewhere between 40 and 60 pounds of food a day. You know, think about it, 40 to 60 wow. pounds. Mostly of vegetation, right, Dr. Baker? Yeah, all, yeah, pretty much all vegetation. And they spend literally 80% of their waking hours in, in the act of chewing. They chew all day long wow. just to get that nutrition. You know, you can contrast it to someone like me who, you know, eats three or four pounds of meat a day, and I'm done. It takes me, you know, 20 minutes. So my, not, you know, <laughs> so it's more efficient. It's much more efficient. The, the nutrients are more bioavailable. It's easier on the gut. And it's honestly you know what we're largely designed to do i mean i think humans are omnivorous i mean that is we can we can uh eat you know both plants and animals but i think we we tend to do better when we are in a at least a hyper carnivore state which is defined as you know 70 percent of your calories coming from meat so and, and some people do with 100 percent do so um we're all we're all certainly specific you know uh, unique uh, so it really doesn't matter exactly what Dr. Baker eats or what Patrick eats, but just in general, do you find the need uh, to eat potatoes or or grains or vegetables at all? Do you need them? Do you feel like you're missing something if you leave them out? 
Well, me personally, no, I don't need any okay. of those things. You I, don't need any I, of those. I, I, My diet is pretty much, I'd say, you know, over the course of the year, my diet will be something like 90% red meat, probably another 3% fish, pork, you know, chicken would be make its way in there. Eggs would eggs and a little bit of dairy, primarily occasionally a piece of cheese. And that's my diet. Every once in a great while, I might have, a, you know, like a small piece of fruit or something like that. I'm not dogmatic about it. It's not a religion. You know, it's not a... I'm sorry, I just cut out there a minute. His internet is not the very best. Oh, there you are. Okay, you cut out for a minute there. You were talking about uh, last words were, I think your internet's a little bit um, wonky, but we'll get through it. Um, last words were, you every now and then you eat a piece of fruit. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to say that that's a pretty rare, rare um, event for me. I don't feel like I need it. Um, I, I, There's no sort of... Uh, reason other than you know like every once in a while I feel just, like just feel for like fun doing, <laughs> yeah. yeah just for fun or, you know, but it's you know like I said someone will say hey try this little piece of, of apple it's really nice and I'll, I'll, I'll eat it but I, I don't like I said I don't crave it I don't need it it's not something that I feel that, that provides me any real net benefit outside of you know tastes good for a second but uh, but yeah, yeah. Generally, my diet is is you know I can I can safely say it, and I've gone two plus years on nothing but red meat and nothing else, and so wow. Uh, I think that's what we need. I think red meat provides uh, you know pretty much everything we need to uh, thrive as a human being. Hmm, very interesting. Does it matter how much or how little you cook it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it does. I mean, from taste, <laughs> yeah. from a taste, taste. perspective, I mean, you know, if I cook a steak, I want it to be medium rare i think it tastes better i think uh i mean there are advocates of people just eating it completely raw i i, I don't advocate i'm not i'm not opposed to that I, i'm not somebody that's saying that's necessary i do think you run the risk of contamination and that does occur and i've seen people get sickened from eating nothing but raw meat you know it does happen so you have to be mindful of that i think conversely i think you know once you just cook something to death you know when you're cooking these well-done steaks and turn it into this dry chewy piece of leather um, one, I don't think it tastes very good, but two, I think there is some, you know, I think you, you compromise some of the nutrition when you do that. So I think the best compromise is just kind of searing the surface and then, uh, uh, you know, just having the inside. Inside to your to your taste or to whatever you like, right. you know. Right, right. You know, in ground beef, maybe a little different. You know, there's there's more surface area, so more risk of contamination, but mm -hmm. that's... I, how about, um, I mean, the ribeyes that I get, we've got some fat in there, but do you think that gives us enough fat? Uh, many of the carnivore docs I've talked to, they really think that uh, this fat is crucial. Talk a bit about that, what you see happening in the world well, yeah. of fat. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you have to have some fat. The question is, how much do you need? And some people will advocate for, you know, kind of a this sort of 80% ketogenic macronutrient ratios, which usually turns out to be about a two to one, two grams of fat for every gram of protein. Uh, I have not found that necessarily to be the case for everybody. I think there's some people, particularly early on, you know, particularly people that are healing stuff, they may feel better with a higher fat percentage. I think over the long term, um, some people fall more, they tend to be more moderate in the fat. I don't think low fat is is is, is very sustainable on a on a that doesn't contain any carbohydrates because you got anywhere. And some of it depends upon how much body fat you're carrying. You know, if you've got plenty of body fat you're carrying, you probably don't need to eat quite as much. Uh, if you've got, uh, you know, I, I tend to center my diet around protein. That's just the way I do mm -hmm. it. You know, I'm an athlete. I I think lean mass and having you know uh, a decent amount of muscle is is advantageous and so I want to make sure I get enough protein and the fat just becomes how much do I need to fuel my daily needs hmm. and probably my diet is somewhere between 60 to 70 percent fat it's still quite a bit of fat it's still mostly fat but it's not you know quite as much as some other people might, right. might push for. do you do you get extra fat um, from a butcher or something or butter cream dairy uh, not typically. Yeah. I usually just get, I usually get like if I get a if I get a prime grade steak, you know, particularly some of the fattier cuts, ribeyes and things like that, you know, uh, short ribs or uh, briskets. Then I, I think there's for me there's adequate fat. I don't I don't need to, I, I don't feel the need to supplement throw extra butter on there. I know some people like to do that. For me and I think many people, you know, once you uh, you exceed sort of a, an absorption 
threshold for fat you just end up it just ends up in the toilet and you can't absorb it anyway so there's a there's a there's a there's a threshold everybody's a little bit different you know you just kind of have to find out you know if you're eating massive amounts of fat and then you're having you know loose stools and it's all going into the toilet then what's the point of eating it because you're not absorbing it so it's almost like that in a way with uh of potatoes or vegetables and and other or rice or something and having to go to the bathroom two or three times a day it's all going back back out i mean i got to thinking about that right. i said well what was the point of eating all that stuff if i got to poop three times a day right and that's a, that, and that's what i talk about efficiency interesting, so huh? yeah. if, we're, if we're looking at a gorilla i mean they're they're constantly going to the bathroom constantly eating it's, and they have to they actually recycle their own feces to get b12 you know in many cases wow. it's coprofic uh, but yeah, so and, and much of the nutrition that comes in all these organic fruits and vegetables, I mean, you you can't access a lot of it. So it's bound up within the structure of the plant. You can't break it down. We don't have cellulase to break down the cellulose. The microbiome can do some of that, but they can't do it all. And so much of that nutrition just goes in the toilet. So you're spending all this money on these, you know, high dollar fruits and vegetables, organic stuff. And then a lot of that nutrition just goes down in the toilet. Whereas if you eat, you know, a cheap, you know, three dollar a pound packet of hamburger. Most of that nutrition, probably ninety plus percent of that nutrition, is absorbed. So it's again, it's a, just a, an efficiency thing. Yeah. So that's why uh, some of the carnivores they get kind of freaked out because they just don't poop as much, right? And uh, it's been my yeah, experience, I mean, but I don't feel bloated or anything like I need to. It's interesting. You're just, not making, you're just not making as much waste, and so you're not. It's not constipation. It's just. You're not wasting as much. You're just not building up as much waste because mm. you're absorbing nutrition. Nutrition is going where it's supposed to, you know, into your into your into the cells that need them, rather than just going into the toilet. And so, uh, yeah. But I, 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 you know, the data, like the Harvard University study on the carnivore uh, population, they they studied you know two thousand people doing carnivore for six or more months, and you know they found the rates of constipation to be very low. You know, very much similar to what the general population experiences, maybe even less. Uh, so it's not something that, over the long term, is really an issue. Most people do fine. What was their definition of constipation? Well, I mean, that is, you know, the inability to, or the difficulty to, you know, evacuate your bowels. I mean, you know, it's, oh, it doesn't see. have to do with, doesn't have to do with frequency. You know, mm -hmm. the normal frequency for bowel movements in a human being can be as much as several times a day to. You know, a few times a week. That's all considered within the normal range of you know human bowel frequency. So just because you went from going three times a day to once every other day doesn't mean you're constipated. It just means that your bowel frequency has changed, and you're just not making you don't have as much waste to get rid of. So it's it's another more efficient thing. Well, with Dr. Uh, Sean Baker, his book is called The Carnivore Diet, very popular, and uh, it is website carnivore.diet.com. And uh, Doc, can you stay uh, stay a minute, and we're just going to do a quick break. We'll be right back. Promote a product. Yeah, just, yeah sure. Just, just the, the website is just carnivore.dot. There's no dot com on the end of it. Oh, just I'm sorry. Carnivore. I missed that one. Good job. Carnivore.dot. Okay, that's kind of unusual. So we'll do that, and we're just going to promote a couple of products. And this how we make our living here uh, is mm -hmm. by promoting products that we really like, and that's kind of fun. And we've uh, got turned on to technology um, molecular hydrogen if i can find the slide here about three years ago and uh, yeah, it's been three years this month and i think it's really terrific and you might just want to listen to it and see what you think recently dr al dannenberg who's healing from cancer said this about hydrogen can i interject one thing whatever you want just about molecular hydrogen it is an amazing technology or research. It's got over 15 years of clinical studies. It is part of my protocols. I use molecular hydrogen in high concentration. I use it in water. There are great studies with all kinds of diseases, like some of the doctors that were on your commercial that were speaking Without a doubt, it is the best discriminating antioxidant around, and it is all biologically normal. Our body uses hydrogen for almost every metabolic pathway. There is interesting research for cancer patients with molecular hydrogen. 
there is a very strong indication that it can be beneficial so i use it you know cancer hmm. is a disease of metabolic dysfunction and mitochondrial dysfunction that's fascinating technology we've been using ours for three years now if you'd like to get one go to oneradionetwork.com use promo code one radio for a 20 percent discount lifetime warranty one year no questions asked money back guarantee for one year, promo code one radio twenty percent off hydrogen Brown's gas machine right now on oneradionetwork.com. You can see the picture there; it's a very tidy little unit, and you press a little button there in the morning, and ten minutes, and make the hydrogen water. So we drink the water, uh, like I have here in front of me, and then you breathe the gas through a cannula. I've got a twenty-five footer; I can rebound or you know, lift some weights or write on my screenplays or do yoga, whatever I do, uh, you know, watch a film or read a book, and I'm breathing the hydrogen. And there's a lot of studies about it. If you're interested in researching it, molecularhydrogeninstitute.org, if you believe in the peer-reviewed thing, and God knows these days, who knows what that even means. But uh, a lot of stuff going on. They're doing some great work in Japan with helping folks to heal from strokes using molecular hydrogen. It's the only uh, element that's on both sides of the um, the elemental table there. You know that table you see? With, yeah. So that's cool. The most abundant um, molecule in the universe, kind of what stars eat for breakfast. Molecular hydrogen, use promo code uh, one radio for a 20% discount, oneradionetwork.com. This uh, product here is on sale, and I'm going to give you the promo code 20% from Daniel Vitalis, and we're back to Dr. Baker. We could take some of your emails too, if you like. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. One of the very first things I do in the morning is come sit at my meditation chair, and that's when I take my dual extracted mushrooms from Survival, the chaga and the reishi. Both of these mushrooms are immunomodulators. If you had too strong of an immune system, like autoimmunity, it'll help to downregulate and calm the immune system. If you have too weak of an immune system, like an immunodeficiency, they help to upregulate or strengthen your immune system. So whatever you're dealing with, they help to bring your immune system to balance. In addition to being immunomodulators and adaptogens, chaga is probably best known for its extremely high ORAC value or antioxidant content. It scavenges the body of free radicals. And reishi has a long history being used in conjunction with meditation and for reaching higher states of consciousness. And that's why I like to take these right before my meditation. There's a lot of medicinal mushroom supplements on the market to choose from but most are made with cheaply produced mushrooms grown on grain and either ground up and put in capsules or extracted in non-organic alcohol. Survival does it differently. We use wild harvested chaga and organic certified wood-grown reishi fruit bodies, not the mycelial extract. And then we use an organic alcohol and a hot water extraction method and then recombine so you get the full benefits of these extremely high quality mushrooms. It uh, really is a great product. Uh, Shag and Rishi on sale. Promo code is ADAPT NOW. ADAPT NOW, 20% off for the next week or so. And uh, it's all a Myron glass. Check out the Colostrum and the other products that Daniel has as well. It's a great company. I've known Daniel for 12 years or so. The real deal, you know, it's uh, good stuff that I think you'll like. Promo code ADAPT NOW for 20% off. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with Dr. Sean Baker in the lovely state of, uh, the great state of Washington, carnivore, carnivore dot diet. Were you, were you uh, please surprised or use you terms for your, the reception to your book, The Carnivore Diet? I mean, it was a pretty big deal out there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it sold very well. I was, you know, it's kind of funny. I didn't, I, I never intended to write a book and the publisher actually contacted me and asked me, would you please write a book about really? this topic? Really? He's asking about it. So, uh, yeah, I, I never had any intention of being a writer. And so I wrote it basically almost in a very conversational style as I would to, you know, just a general audience. And I think mm -hmm. it turned out well. It kind of explains what's going on. And 
uh, most people have found it to be quite useful as a sort of intro into why this makes sense, why they want to try that, how to do it, you know, how to implement it. So it's been, uh, and, and I think there's, you know, like like I said, you know, some people said you just write write a book and said, you know, eat meat, drink in one page and honestly that that you know honestly that probably could do it but <laughs> a lot of people need a little a little bit more guidance for that and so it's been uh, something that i uh, you know like i said it's 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 you know gotten quite good reviews and quite good uh you know it's it's been a quite successful book which you know i wasn't expecting that but it's good to see that it happened. you're putting together an organization called rivero with lots of doctors, and many doctors are applying to you, want to be a part of it, and you're going to get away from right. the medical model, right, and just work with patients directly. And do you think the uh, heavy meat carnivore diet is going to be significant in this uh, in this work you're going to do? Yeah, so Rivero, I mean, is a digital online digital health platform. It's, it'll be full service. We'll have physicians and other healthcare providers on there to, to you know, treat diseases, you know, prescribe, de-prescribe, hopefully mostly de-prescribing medications. And actually, with our focus is, you know, the goal is to get people off medicines, actually hmm. address the cause of the disease and actually get them healthy as opposed to what we currently see with the medical model. We, we now have the allopathic model, which is just kind of more and more medications and procedures. And it's just kind of symptom management. We're trying to get away from that. Um, you know, will we use a carnivore diet? For some patients, yeah. Not everybody needs it. You know, some do, some don't. Uh, we're using a lot of uh, AI to help guide some of that. We've developed some AI models based on hmm. you know thousands and thousands of different patients over the years that have uh, been so kind enough to share some of their data. And so we can kind of, you know, depending upon who the person is, you know, what's going on demographically, what's going on lifestyle-wise, and then what kind of medical conditions they're dealing with, because those all, per, per, uh, they all um, uh, require unique, uh, or it put, put, it puts unique stresses on the body where nutrition can plug the holes. And it's not only nutrition, there's gonna be other things that are as part of that, and there's a whole lifestyle um, package, but nutrition is gonna be centered, centered on there. And yes, some people will be going on probably carnivore diets or some very close version of that at least for a period of time um and like i said our goal is to as we already have i mean we, we've affected the lives of tens of thousands of people really a lot for the, for the, mm. oh yeah lots and lots of people we, we've, we've we've impacted countless people with all sorts of diseases whether they are autoimmune diseases like psoriasis rheumatoid arthritis mm. uh you know gut issues like crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis mental health disorders bipolar you know depression anxiety ptsd all these things that we see joint pain arthritis skin issues psoriasis all these things we've had great success with so we're going to just bring this out and scale it out to the wider population and you know you get into the actual metal medical side of that so we do have to work within the, the bounds of the regulatory of agency yeah. that's right. To do that, but it's you know right now the problem we have is we we, we we can address diet with people, but then they often don't get the support they need from their physician. Their physician says, "Well, that's just crazy. Stop doing the diet, and you know right. go back to what we were eating before, or go back to the the food pyramid, which most people have tried in some, some form or fashion, and it just doesn't work for them." So we are going to be we're not going to be on there telling people, "Oh my God, you're eating too much red meat." Uh, that will not be our physicians opening. So right, right. So so your people your people will have your staff be their physicians, and they can drop their other ones. Is that the idea? Yeah, well, it depends on what the yeah. condition is, but more or less, they become primary care physicians for them. They kind of oversee that, and you know, if they need specialist care. Like if you break your arm and you need your you know your elbow repaired we won't be able to do that through a digital platform of course you'll still have to have some level of of you know in-person care but i think most of it and getting people off medications and needing level acute care is, is is what we're going to be doing and so we'll ultimately help lots of people and then in turn our goal is to work with a number of companies to help offload some of their healthcare spent expenses because many companies spend a significant part of their their you know their cost of doing business is employee health care and so if we can we can undercut that cost by you know 50 percent or more which i think we can that save these companies significant money so there's a financial advantage right. for being you know associated with this. well dr baker if you and others uh, uh believe that this uh meat base is a is a is let i'll just put in quotes perfect food why would you not 
encourage everyone to try it. Your patience. Uh, well, I, I, I don't discourage people from trying it. I'm just, you know, like I said, I think there is, uh, a, you know, some people that wouldn't consider it. Maybe it's not necessary. I don't believe it's necessary for everybody in all conditions. Mm-hmm. I think some people can do fine just, you know, getting out, getting the junk food out. And it's just kind of finding out the unique things that may be problematic for you. And that's hard to do when your diet consists of literally thousands of different products or different food or ingredients it becomes really difficult to, to pinpoint what's actually the, the, the culprit for whatever issue right. it is and with AI we can solve that complexity and so we have a number of you know uh, engineers working on those issues right now uh, to solve that and, and the nice thing is you know with something called adaptive AI as you get more and more data points you just continue to refine your model so that you, your, your predictability you know, your predictive um, accuracy goes up and up and up, and so we'll continue to get better over time. Uh, we have a framework which we think, you know, we, we, we know certain conditions. You know, like for instance, uh, diabetes tends to do better on a low carb low carbohydrate sure. diet. Just so we have that. Yeah. We know that, sir. You know, when you go on different types of diets, so we kind of have a, a general framework, but just fine tuning that enough to where people can. Uh, get a better idea what, what what would work for them and then the other part of the equation is how do you get people to consistently uh you know consistently do it and that's that's a big problem to solve so you have to deal with the psychological aspect sure. you have to provide the motivation the incentives the you know the, the feedback the the encouragement uh, the accountability uh to to get people to, to continue to do this and so that that a big part of the puzzle is, is dealing with the, you know, the, the compliance side of it. So we're 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 working on solving that as well. Dr. Sean Baker, talk a bit about um, the significance of sugar as we know it, of just table sugar or honey, maple syrup, or the sugars from rice or potatoes and carbs. How significant role does this substance play in our health? In your opinion? Uh well, I mean. It seems to have, uh, you know, an, an, an impact. I mean, we, we need glucose to fuel our body. The nice thing is we can make glucose without ingesting any of it. We can make it perfectly fine from protein and fats. And so we don't need to have it in our body uh, in any way, shape, or form. Most people, uh, you know, if you have a small amount of sugar, is it is it bad for you? In many cases, no, it's not. But the problem becomes most people have a very hard time moderating these types of foods. And so we've gone from... Mm. You know, I think I saw a statistic where 100 years ago, um, the amount of sugar that was eaten in a lifetime is now being consumed by the time a kid hits eight years of age. Wow. And so we're eating, we're eating, you know, 150 pounds plus of, uh, you know, just table sugar a year in the United States, and we only eat 56 pounds of beef. You know, so we eat three times as much sugar as we do eat beef in this country. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, dietary carbohydrates in general are easier to overeat. They tend to, to be less satiating. They tend to uh, not uh, uh, provoke the same satiety response as they do. So in the context that they're easily overeaten, in the context that they often are components of ultra-processed junk foods, uh, they are negative in that regard. You know, I don't think most people are not sitting there ODing to sitting eating scoops of table sugar off you know off the off the counter. Right. You know, no one sits down with a bag, a five pound bag of Domino sugar and eats that whole. I mean, there might be a few sort of weird cases that do that. So I think you know um, I think we eat too far too much of it. I think it becomes far too easy to consume. Are there individual unique potentially negative consequences of consuming sugar? I mean, there's there's definitely studies that would indicate that. There's studies that you know it's kind of it's kind of controversial, like you mentioned earlier, the peer-reviewed stuff. A lot of the, unfortunately, a lot of the science has been hijacked by corporate interests. So it's hard to say, you know, what studies you can trust and what studies you can't. I know for a lot of people, excluding sugar out of the diet has been a net positive. It's just it's just better for them if they just don't consume that. Uh, many people cannot moderate this stuff. This is a substance that's very, it's like telling a cocaine addict, hey, just snort cocaine in moderation, you'll be fine. <laughs> a lot of people would struggle with that. And so a lot of people struggle with sugar with that. And so, you know, particularly if it drives this uh, compulsive behavior, this overeating or this binge eating behavior, it can be a problem. So uh, I think the jury's out on whether it is uniquely damaging. There is evidence that would suggest so that it may, you know, increase risk for cancer and things like that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's really hard to, to, to just identify a single food and say, aha, this is the this is a 
the the all our problems you know and I, I i tend not to do that but i do what i do know is i said you know this you know if you can find something that works for you that's clearly making you healthier then that's probably a a good thing to do and if, if somebody went on a diet where they're eating lots and lots of sugar and their health got dramatically better I would be surprised to see that occur but it, you know I wouldn't argue with them I'd say hey look you know if it's working with you uh, but I do I do push back on those people that just tell everybody that you know you can consume it without worry because there's there's people that that, that clearly doesn't work for yeah yeah and so you be mindful of who you are Here's an email from Vince for Dr. Baker. Was considering carnivore, but found I had high ferritin levels. There are reports of the anti-longevity factor of too much iron in our bodies. How do carnivores get rid of excess iron? Is it a danger to the heart and organs? Yeah, so certainly, you know, uh, when you have iron storage issues and you have iron accumulation in your liver and your pancreas and other things, it definitely can be deleterious now the interesting thing is if we look at how iron is handled in the body uh, we really don't have good ways of getting rid of iron particularly as men women have their menstrual cycle so they tend to dump a little iron that way men don't have that option and let you know short of bleeding you know getting in a fight and bleeding and you know, that type of stuff or giving blood right giving blood yeah, yeah i mean giving blood is an option but i mean generally you know outside of that um, the way we typically handle iron is we, we regulate how much we actually absorb. And so it's not how much we eat, but how much we actually absorb. And that is under the influence of a hormone called hepcidin, which is produced in the liver. And then hepcidin subsequently is impacted by insulin levels. And so what I typically see is even in people with things like hemochromatosis, which is a genetic disorder where people tend to store much iron, if they go on a carnivore diet and their metabolic function improves, their insulin sensitivity improves, which often it does, they actually see less and less iron accumulation. Mm. So really iron storage, I think, in a lot of ways is a marker of overall metabolic unwellness. And so when you sort of improve the health of your metabolic system, you know, you become more insulin sensitive, usually we see those iron storage issues go away regardless of what we're eating. And so it's more a metabolism uh, you know, insulin resistance problem more so than how much iron we're ingesting. Hmm. Carol writes in, I've heard Patrick's guest in the past couple of months talk about the infrequency of stools. And mm-hmm. if that is the case, where is all the meat going? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's being absorbed. It's, you know, being, it's being absorbed. absorbed. So it's literally going in the body. I mean, that's right. interesting. I mean, how does it do that? It's just... That's, that's how our digestive system is designed. I mean, that's how it's small. designed. Huh? Wow. Yeah, we're designed to absorb. So we are, you know, our digestive system, you know, our stomach, the, the, the highly acidic environment, our stomach, pH of about 1.5, starts to break down the meat, and then it, then it, you know, it's broken down into smaller, you know, proteins and peptides, and then it goes in, and then the different, you know, um, you know, digestive enzymes, you know, the, the, the trypsins and the, and the chymotrypsins and peptidases and <laughs> lipase break down the stuff into its individual molecules and it's absorbed it just gets absorbed whereas like i said if you eat a plant-based diet where you can't break down the food it just goes up in the toilet and so we we more fully absorb the nutrition that we need that's what our bodies like i said this is literally what we're made out of and we're just giving our body more of what we're made out of uh, to build our body and to uh you know and, the, and then also of course energy you know we eat for two reasons we eat because we need structural repair and maintenance and then we also need in building and then we need you know energy so this all goes in and gets absorbed so mm-hmm. that's that's one of the biggest things i've noticed and i'm only 100 days so i'm a newbie but you know if i just have a steak at night my energy level just kind of goes like this i can just keep on working on my screenplays and stay up as late as i want before if right. i had pasta or a baked potato or whatever rice you know i would eat and then an hour later it'd be like I drop off a cliff. What was going on there? What's the difference? What am I experiencing? Right. Well, I mean, again, it, it, part of it has to do with, you know, the absorption. So when you're eating pasta, for instance, you know, pasta comes from, you know, the way we make pasta is we grind things up into a powder and then we reconstitute them into noodles. And so we have this really high surface there. We've got these, we've got these acellular carbohydrates which are very rapidly absorbed. And so you get this rapid increase in things like blood glucose followed by a pretty quick quick crash now meat 
a steak takes a long time to fully absorb. And so you may have six, 10 hours where you're digesting, digesting, and the whole time a little bit of energy is being released. Ah. And so you get this steady, this steady, constant energy, and that's related in, you know, like you have this kind of steady energy. You don't tend to get these big blood sugar-induced crashes. Your, your mood is generally, you know, stabilized. Generally, most people tend to be just kind of, you know, just kind of generally mildly happy and, and chilled out. You know, that's kind of the, the effect of having, you know, having a, a, a meal like that where it's not just a rapid, you know, super quick hit of energy. You've got this, this steady, steady situation. That's why you can go long periods of time without eating on a carnivore diet. You have this profound satiety effect where I can get up and have, uh, like, for instance, I haven't eaten in uh it's probably been about 20 hours since I've last had a meal, and I'm doing fine. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm... 20 I'm hours? Seeing, wow. No, that's, that's pretty... I mean, I just... I mean, I ate early, early yesterday afternoon, and then I had you know, jujitsu last night, and then I just... You know, this morning, I got up and ran some sprints and walked <laughs> the dogs, and three pot... This is my third podcast, and so I just haven't had time to eat yet. So, a pound tomahawk steak waiting for me that I'm going to eat <laughs> afterwards. Tom, got me that time. So, do you generally just do once a day, Doctor Baker? That works for you. No, I, I generally do twice so, a day. Yeah. That's typical. Yeah, like yesterday I had two meals. I had an early break, but just, it just worked out today that I just because of the schedule, I just didn't have time to eat breakfast, and so. But I'm fine. It doesn't bother me. So I'm, I've got plenty of energy and feel good. I'm just just starting to get a little bit hungry, and I'll eat and I'll enjoy it. The nice thing about that is you go a little bit longer and. Uh, uh, I think the French have a saying that hunger is the best sauce, and so yeah. you know whenever you're hungry, it always tastes just just that much better, right? It's always great. Yeah. Do you just eat until you're full, and that's it? Call it a day. Pretty much. How do you measure yeah, it? Out? Uh, no, I mean I don't really measure it. I mean I kind of having done this now for you know six years or so, I, I've got a pretty good idea of what I need to do, and right. you know like I said. If I know the day is going to be particularly taxing with regard to physical activity, I might just eat a little bit more. I just kind of know. You know, after a while, you get so in tune with your body, and you're like, I, I pretty much need to eat about the same amount most days, and I just kind of do that. I don't even have to think about it. It's very, it may it simplifies life, you know, and it, it, really it takes does. a lot. Of, <laughs> takes the yeah. takes the ease in shopping too. You know what you're doing. Okay, yeah, of course. And I and you know, and it's I don't find it boring. I, no. I love every meal I eat. I can tell you right now that the steak I'm going to eat here in whatever half an hour, whenever it's going to be, is going to be. Uh, very good. I'm going to very much enjoy that meal, and I enjoy all my meals. I wouldn't do a diet if I didn't enjoy the meal, and that's the thing. I think anytime you're on a diet and you either don't like the food or you're hungry all the time, you're just going to fail. And yeah. so what I find, I immensely enjoy what I eat, and I'm really hungry, and life is good. Yeah. There are many of the, the carnivore folks we've talked to spoken pretty negatively about just vegetables and all the oxalates and the different chemicals they have in there uh, that they create so people don't eat them. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, opinions and theories? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't, I'm not one that says all carbohydrates are bad or all vegetables are poison. Mm-hmm. I don't think like that. I do think that there are people that clearly, for whatever reason, have intolerances to those foods, and there's nothing wrong with not eating not eating them. Them. Right. And I think that, you know, it may be that this modern diet that we have has so damaged some of our digestive tracts through either, you know, uh, you know, this gut dysfunction, whether it's dysbiosis or messed up microbiome or gut hyperpermeability, whatever is going on that makes us not able to tolerate those things. It is what it is. And uh, so, uh, you know, if we can fix those things, I always encourage people you know, if they're going to do a carnivore diet, you know, do it for a while, fix the issues that you have, and then, you know, if you want to reintroduce things, go for it. You know, go ahead and try and see, see how, how it works, works. for you. Yeah, yeah. Some people, some mm-hmm. people successfully do it. Some people prefer not to. Some people like the ease and convenience and the simplicity of, I'm just going to get up and eat steak and eggs every day, and I like it, and it tastes good, and it's easy, and it's, it, 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 you know, it reduces the amount of anxiety about eating food, and I enjoy it. That's fine, too. But if you, you know, if you if you're somebody that likes doing all these variety things, then that's that's also fine. But I, you know, like I said, I don't find my existence to be boring because I don't, you know, eat seventy five thousand different types of food. I have a rich, robust life. You know, like I said, if you're if the only entertainment in your life, or if you're relying on your diet to provide all your entertainment, then maybe your life is too damn boring. Maybe you need to be, you know, <laughs> think about doing something else. You know? Do something else. You know, and and I think it's also 
relevant to think about the idea that all of us, we have eaten these kinds of foods, all these, you know, for I don't know, for a long time. And there's no telling the state that our body is in at the time when we start looking at things and blood tests and changing our diet. And there's a lot of things going on in our in our body that we have, could be creating with all these foods that maybe aren't the best for us. And we just didn't know it. I mean, we didn't know it. Well, we don't. And, and no one's telling us that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've got food manufacturers and their mission is, hey, we can, put, we can pump out a bunch of calories and feed a bunch of people. They feel like job done. And they really, I mean, they don't really care. I mean, it was kind of interesting. I had, a, had somebody who asked to work from our company. It was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. This woman who is a chemical engineer whose job for the last 20 years has been to work with the food industry to make food as addicting as possible. Wow. That was literally her mission and her job. Wow. And she felt that no, she no longer could ethically do this anymore and wanted to work for, what, for, for our company doing what we do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this food that is out there uh, which you know is is you know uh, very financially lucrative. You know, it's there's a lot of money. There are literally trillions of dollars of uh, you know food industry money out there that's telling everybody to just keep eating it. Uh, you know, keep eating the processed food. Um, you know, and, and this is why we see this push to sort of push away from meat. It's not to save the planet. It's not to to protect you know prevent climate change or health. It's really just to create more and more markets for this ultra-processed, hyper-processed food that they can sell you at a big markup. And, you know, it's just going to further make you sicker and it's going to keep you addicted to uh, the garbage food and keep you stuck on, you know, pills and, and other things. And so uh, it's 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 pretty out in the open. I don't think it's even a secret. Here's an email from Jerry. He's in Sarasota. I am on high blood pressure medicine, statins, and thyroid medication. And my doc doesn't want to to get off of them, I'd like to. Could I just do this carnivore diet and uh, see what happens, or is that too dangerous? Good question. Uh, well, I, I, you know, again, without knowing all the details, of no, course. I don't think a carnivore diet is dangerous. But I, and, and I think, you know, in many cases, I do see people resolve hypertension, resolve thyroid issues, cholesterol may or may not go up or down depending on who you are. Uh, so it's possible you could get off all those medications with a dietary shift. You're going to need to have some sort of health care provider. You might have to find a new health care provider that can help you know wean you off those things if it's doable. But yeah, I see that all the time that people come off these medications. They drop weight. They feel better. They literally feel like they're 20 years younger. <laughs> Everything gets better. And uh, so it's something worth, in my view, trying. You know, if you want, you know, you go to carnivore.diet and we can guide you on at least how to how to initiate and do this thing, you can get some support, and then, you know, finding the right physician, you know, I guess, it sounds like Sarasota, Florida, yeah, I was just, yeah. right, I was just there the other day, or right near there the yeah. other day, last weekend, uh, but, yeah, I mean, there and there's doctors there, I, I, I know personally of a, several physicians in that sort of, at least Tampa area, that are supportive of what, what you know, what this diet is like. When somebody like, like uh, this uh, emailer is on these medications, and if they go to a more species-appropriate diets start to feel better and things start to work properly. Without guidance, is there an issue to know if the medication now you're taking is making things worse? I'm trying to understand how you would do that if you didn't really know what you're doing. Well, like, like for well, I mean, you shouldn't do it if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, okay. you should always have a physician help you to come off medication. So I, you okay. know, I would, I would never recommend just stopping your medications. You should get the advice of your now. Your physician may say just pull it out. Sometimes they like to taper it down. Like for instance, with hypertensive medications, if you're on these medications, and, and let's assume that you know maybe vascular inflammation has this a role in creating this hypertension, and then when that goes away, you don't need the medications anymore so what happens is they become too strong and then all of a sudden you become hypotensive you start getting dizzy lightheaded maybe you fall down which is obviously a could be a big problem so you just have to start saying hey you know if you check your your blood pressure you start start to running low or lower than it normally has and you say hey doc i've changed my diet my blood pressure is a lot lower can we start coming off these meds most of them, if they're reasonable, should say, "Yeah, let's 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 cut it in half, or sure. maybe we get rid of one of them, or something like that." And so, so yeah, that's what I I see that happen all the time. Mm. There's some mornings my blood sugar I just take it for fun, you know, with a little prick doc, and it's sometimes forty or fifty or sixty in that range in the morning. That yeah. seems, but I feel great, so I I don't concern myself. Well, and I, and I, 
you know, and that's a, and that's a differentiator. You know, a lot of people would say, "Oh my God, your blood glucose is in the forties. You you need an IV. You need a stat <laughs> IV of dextrose, or at least just some orange juice." Um, that you know, and somebody with that is not uh, sort of fat adapted, someone that doesn't produce ketones, uh, then you know that. C- now, usually when we see somebody hypoglycemic, they become shaky, they become sweaty, they're, they're profoundly hungry. That is what a hypoglycemic uh, episode feels like, and in that situation, the blood glucose is too low. Uh, Dr. Cahill demonstrated with a series of research studies that you could get people down to a blood glucose of even in the 20s. And they would be sitting there having a normal conversation. So again, it, it, you know, like I said, it, it, it depends on your, your physiology where that's at. So I'm not recommending that everybody walk around with a blood glucose of 40, but there are certain pe- certainly people on low carbohydrates, ketogenic diets, carnivore diets, where that is not unusual and they're completely fine. And so you just have to uh, understand what's going on physiologically. So I, you know, and I'm often my my blood glucose often is in the 50s, sometimes in the 40s, mm-hmm. 60s. It's not, and I'll go work out. I mean, I'll go out and do a hard workout. My blood glucose at you know 50 or 60 and be just fine. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just a little guy, 20, 125 pounds, and I have lost a few pounds in the last hundred days eating carnivore. Um, if I wanted to put on muscle and I'm starting to lift weights, do I just have to eat more meat? Uh, that's just a deal. Just eat more food. Is that what I need to do? I mean, it's essentially, yeah. uh, you know, it's it, uh, you know, it's something that you know, uh, if we're talking about building muscle, uh, we have, uh, you know, it's very clear what's necessary. So, number one and the most important thing is to do the training. You got to do. Resistance you got to do training. the training. Yeah. Number two is you got to get adequate protein, and number three, you need adequate calories. And so, basically, it's you know, eat more and lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> eat more. <laughs> That's 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 the whole magic formula. Uh, there's nothing more to it than that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. carbohydrates can help with energy, so you can train. Although once you're fat adapted, it's probably it's probably negligible. So what, what does that uh, mean, fat adaptive? What does that mean, fat adaptive? Well, it means you're 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 okay running on uh, you know ketones. a higher percentage of your of your of your you're not completely running on ketones or free fatty acids, but you're just producing more, so that can provide a certain percentage of your cellular cells energy needs and mm-hmm. so you can do like i'm doing now i haven't had glucose you know any carbohydrates in my, i mean i still have a blood glucose it's probably like i mentioned it's probably in the 60s or 70s right now but i'm still using a significant amount of fat for for my you know for my ability to move and talk and stand and those types of things so that's uh what being fat adapted is just you can use a higher percentage of your energy can come from fat yeah 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 well um very, very interesting. So keep in touch and let us know how you're doing with Rivero once you get that thing really happening. If you want to come back on and plug plug that guy. And uh, uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for exposing me to your audience. And uh, you know, like I said, if anybody has any questions, just head over to Carnivore Diet. I'm there every day doing a, doing a meeting. And so if people want to talk to me or interact with me. Oh, how does that work? I talk about that. How does that work? Well, I mean, you know, we uh, so every morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, I host a meeting, usually about a one-hour meeting, and anybody that wants to show up with a Zoom wow. call, sometimes we have guests and we do a podcast, but very often it's just a open discussion. If somebody has a question they want to ask or discussion or whatever, we just we just do it every day so people have access to me. You know, I've got all the social media as well that, yeah. that you know, when I'm not, I'm not being shadow banned and censored <laughs> because I'm promoting Come on, there's not that people do. that don't want you to talk about meat, is there? Come on, is there? There, there are, believe it or not, there are. <laughs> well, this whole war on meat is an interesting thing, isn't it? Don't you find it fascinating, what's going on? They, you know, there's forces well, out there who want, want to convince you that meat is bad for you. No doubt about it. Well, that's been in place a long time. Has and it? like I said, it's, it's you know, if, if you have gone through the last couple of years and don't have some level of mistrust of, of some, you know, certain, certain entities, then you haven't been paying attention. And I would... <laughs> The same level of mistrust you should put towards people talking about nutrition because the same the same entities are at work there and they don't necessarily have your best interest in mind. Right. Dr. Sean Baker, thank you for coming on at carnivore.diet. And uh, again, appreciate your time. Have a nice day. Enjoy your tomahawk thing there. <laughs> thank you. I will. Bye-bye. Take care. Dr. Sean Baker, cool guy, huh? 250 pounds, man. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I just want to be like him when I grow up. That many... Muscles, man. Yeah, I've been eating, uh, I've been doing a lot more, uh, what do you call it, 
weight training a uh, little little by little every day and uh, but I just don't I don't have a huge appetite you know where you just want to eat a lot of food I do like three or four ounces or five ounces of meat and I'm like okay I'm done but I really feel good hope you do we are gonna um, um, let's see yeah, and I'm getting questions about my experiences and all that, and I'm happy to answer that. I don't do medical advice. Um, um, I'm not allowed to. I, I wouldn't do it if I could, and I'm whatever. But I'm happy to answer your questions about my experiences. Lots of, lots of uh, questions about pooping. pooping. People like to talk about pooping. So um, also, we are um, in the process of figuring out why we're not on Apple podcast or YouTube, uh, getting some emails, uh, all of our um, all of our shows disappeared from the Apple U- iTunes, and we don't know why, we're trying to figure it out, um, uh, I, you know, if I had to guess, it's probably the Russians, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I don't know. You know, it is working with, um, you probably know, you know, with support teams for people like Apple. Or it's like, but Apple's pretty cool. But uh, so hopefully we're just going to find out why we're going to all pop back up there. So for the moment, um, all of our shows are on One Radio, Russians? OneRadioNetwork.com, OneRadioNetwork.com, all of our audios, 15 years of them, and then all of our videos are on BitChute, not all of them, but the last... Oh, years, I don't know, since since we got taken down from from um, from uh, YouTube. We're on BitChute, and the little links are on the top right. Top right. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about um, uh, my experience uh, with the spirituality aspects of eating all meat. And also, we just uh, we're going to have a young fellow on who's 13 years old. And he's a carnivore guy, and um, he's pretty cool, very cool, actually, very intelligent guy. I don't know what, he's eating something, and uh, we're going to talk to him tomorrow. So let me know if there's something that I can do for you. I'm here for you. That's my job. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Had a great show with Adam. We'll be streaming that more today. And um, what else? Oh, two things are on sale. Uh, the Shaga Rishi Mushrooms from Sir Thrival. Promo code ADAPT NOW. Great products. I mean, you could take this. These are um, what are called adaptogens, Shaga and Rishi Mushrooms. And you can take them every day for the rest of your life. Be happy. And then the, um, what else do we have? Oh yeah, the... Uh, Air Doctor is on sale. It's on the front page of our website. These are really, really, really cool units. I have one. I sent a good friend of mine one and um, a couple years ago. They're on sale, big sale right now. Air Doctor, these are, these are air purifiers. They look like R2-D2, and you can see see the pictures of them. They're about, well, about as big as a, a little bigger than a, um, um, a computer, very quiet, and they're very intelligent like R2-D2. Uh, so if you cook bacon, like when I cook bacon, all of a sudden you get some smoke, you can hear it, it'll turn itself on faster, and the little light changes and tell you it's, uh, it's uh, eating more smoke. Um, very, very nice technology, very easy, quite easy to change the filters, and you do that a couple times a year, I think. Well, they actually have a light comes on and tell you when you need to change it. These are on sale. Get yourself one. There's a lot of stuff out there that boys are God knows what. No sense breathing in. I know it's going to come out, but this is what causes um, what we think are colds and flus. When stuff goes in, poisons, toxins, this is what disease is, is getting rid of toxins. What? Yeah, there's no germs. So, so check it out. It's the Air Doctor. This is on sale. Uh, they also have a, on sale the water filter. It's a great one on sale. What else we do on sale? 
Mm, what else do we have it on sale? Oh, the um, the hydrogen machine, twenty percent. I'm not sure how long it's going to do it on that, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Speaking of smoke, uh, last we heard, Dr. Ray Pete is not going to be here next Monday. He emailed me a couple of days ago, and they're doing these uh, prescribed and mandatory burns up in Oregon where he lives. Crazy, crazy land, woke land. And uh, the smoke is really affecting his voice and his lungs. So uh, at this point, he's not going to be here. Uh, but we'll let you know. And so send in your questions, and we'll stack them up and see if we can arrange them for a better time when he... So I actually, I actually sent him the link to the to the um, sale on the Air Doctor. I, I did. I said, get one of these. It'll help you because it'll get rid of that smoke. It will. So, can I say? I had a hamburger for breakfast. It was great. A little piece of cheese on top. Okay, kids, I will see you tomorrow, and uh, have fun. Let me know if I can help. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. I love you all very much. Thank you. You're doing great, and may the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.